0: better to be in your house, to know your presence, to be surrounded by your people, to hear your word, to know your promises, to know that Jesus Christ is greater than all the darkness that could ever try to invade our life, and to know that no one, nothing, can take us from your hand. Father, it is a better day just because you're here. And we ask now, lead us into that elevated life. Show us the possibilities of what our lives can become and help us to be free, to live that life that brings honor and glory to you. And forgive us, Lord. Forgive us when we fail. Forgive us for our shortcomings. And bring us to that place or receive your grace, and simply say, Jesus is Lord from this time on. Father, we commit this time to you through his holy and precious name. Amen. Do you want to have a seat this morning? Well, we're on our second step here in a series called The Perfect Ten, where we're taking some time to look at the uh, Ten Commandments, and uh, no Mel Brooks for you today, sorry. Um, if you are here last week, that's why you got to come every week. Okay. But uh, we move on today. Last week we talked about the, uh, the first three commandments, and uh, those are focused on our relationship with God. And if we get that right, it forces us then not to just deal with the rest, uh, but to deal with what the rest are trying to accomplish in our life. And so I mean it always works this way, right? That that if if you got your relationship going with God, then then it's always going to lead you to look at your relationship with others. I mean, that's just the natural progression, right? You can't just live a life that's just all about me and God, me and God. But but if, if your relationship is right with God, then then that drives you to begin to think about, well, what about others? What are my relationships with others? And and that's what God is doing. Uh, in, in the commandments, that the first three, relationship with God, the rest now are, are centered more on our relationships uh, with, uh, with others. And as we start today, uh, it would be easy for you to just say, oh, okay, good, I got it. So now we're down to the simple ones, right? We're down to those short ones like, you know, do not kill, do not steal, you know, I get it, those, okay, I haven't done any of that, check them off, let's keep it short, Pastor. Right? Yeah, it doesn't work that way, okay? Just heads, heads up, it doesn't, doesn't work that way, right? Why? Well, what you've got to do is you've got to get yourself back to remember why God is giving the people of Israel, his own people, these commandments and what the situation is, okay? So if you go back to Exodus 20, when, when he first gives Moses the commandments, uh, it says, here are all the words God spoke. He said, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt. This is the land where you were slaves. Now, there's two important things in in the last part of that verse. First of all, it says where they used to live. They used to live in the land of Egypt. And it says what they did. They were slaves, right? Lived in the land of Egypt, and they were slaves. They did this for generations, 400 years. They did this... For generations. Why is that important? Well, it's the impact, the impact of living for generations in Egypt, the impact of living as a slave for generations in Egypt. I mean, we we watch the you know Charlton Heston movie and think, hey, they were good, faithful people just building bricks. No. They they were in Egypt, and because they were in Egypt, they were being influenced by the culture of Egypt. Because they'd been in Egypt for so long, their their values were being shaped by Egypt. Their their morality was being shaped by Egypt. The values that they had were shaped by Egypt. Their relationships, the only relationships they could look to were the relationships they saw where? In Egypt. Egypt. What's happening? The people of God were being overwhelmed by the culture in which they lived in Egypt. And they were slaves, not simply to make bricks. They had become slaves to the culture of Egypt. And God brings them out and sets them free... And with the commandments, says no more. You don't live that way anymore. You don't live according to the Egyptian morals anymore, the Egyptian values anymore, the Egyptian codes anymore. Your relationships aren't based on what you saw in Egypt anymore. No, here's a new set. Here's how your relationships work. And he gives them the Ten Commandments. Now, if we're honest with ourselves today, If we're honest with ourselves and we're really serious about letting the word influence us this morning, we will do the same thing. We will look where we live and ask the difficult question, who are we slaves to? Who's shaping our morals? Who's shaping our values? Who's informing our relationships? And are we so different? Don't we still live in many ways in the land of Egypt? That's the challenge for us. The challenge is is for us to listen to these commandments in in their totality and understand that we were slaves, but no longer. If you look at Romans 6, it says, You used to be slaves of sin. Talking to us. You used to be slaves of sin. But thank God that your whole heart, with your whole heart, you obeyed the teachings you were given. You have been set free from sin. You have become slaves to right living, what Paul just said. We used to be slaves this way. We used to let culture inform us and shape us and fashion us, but no more. We've been set free from Egypt. We're free from that slavery and instead, we have moved over here to be people of light. we moved over here to be slaves to right living. We are free to do it God's way. It's captured in the middle there where it says, But thank God that with your whole heart you obeyed the teachings you were given. What we're going to talk about this morning is the teachings God wants us to live by. These commandments mean something. They, they are here given to us to set us free and keep us in that place in our relationships, so we live by the right values, the right codes, the right morality, that God shapes us and informs us, and we're no longer slaves in Egypt. You with me? Here's what it looks like then for us as we get into the commandments. If you go to Exodus 20, the first one just says, Honor your father and mother, then you'll live a long time in the land uh, the Lord your God is giving you. We we could kind of summarize it, I think, and say, look, there's a call in our life, to elevate respect, to elevate respect, that that, that we live in a a right way of living, and in in God's way of right living, we are going to elevate ourselves and show a consistent attitude of respect, and that starts, the laboratory of learning for that starts in our home, it starts in our home, Our, our children need to learn respect to get transferred from that old culture of sin and learn respect. And it starts right there with learning it in relationship to mom and dad. And as that grows, notice there is a a promise given with this commandment. As you learn that respect in the home, that grows to pay off dividends in your life as you relate to other people, in your relationships, where you just show this respect. Paul recognizes it in Ephesians. He says, children... Obey your parents as believers in the Lord. Obey them because it's the right thing to do. Scripture says, honor your father and mother. That is the first commandment that has a promise. Then things go well with you, and you will live a long time on the earth. You see, if we establish this attitude of respect, that's right living for us. We're going to respect the people around us. We're going to respect mom and dad. We're going to respect our siblings. That's the laboratory of learning for us. But then that gets extended into our our general life out in the world. That that we just show respect for people. We we respect people regardless of who they are or what they do or how big or little their bank account is. We we just show respect. I mean, that's just the nature of who we are. That's the freedom we have. the, The slaves of right living that we are. And that respect extends for our lifetime. So we may start as children learning respect by obeying our parents, but as we go through years, that respect continues to the point that when the relationship changes and we begin to care for our parents, we show the same respect. 1 Timothy captures it this way. Take care of the widows who really need help, but suppose a widow has children or grandchildren. They should first learn to put their faith into practice they should care for their own family in that way they will pay back their parents and grandparents that pleases god i hope my kids are watching online today but, but what's going on here what well, isn't this a lifelong experience of of elevated respect it's elevated respect it's just the way we are that, that we just have this ongoing respect for our parents and for a family and then that extends beyond as we're out there in the workplace you know wherever we are that we walk into room and and that is a given in us that we will just show respect to people next one elevate life commandment says do not commit murder and we could just kind of stop there and say hey easy one good deal haven't done that lately well no it (laughs) goes beyond that right I mean, it's not about just, haven't you committed murder? The real question is, have you elevated life? Do you value it? Because I can tell you, God values life. We can see it in Genesis 9 when he's talking to Noah. He says, you can be sure that I will hold someone accountable if you are murdered. I will even hold animals accountable if they kill you. I will also hold anyone accountable who murders another person. Now, I... I'm not this morning here to talk about you know abortion or capital punishment or all the other issues that go around this I just want to get to the base issue here of slavery to freedom of right living and in the freedom of right living the commandment says, look in you, in your relationships are you just valuing other people do you value them do you, do, you, do you look at your spouse and and value your spouse as an incredible gift that God has given you? Do do, do you look at your children the same way and and recognize what what an incredible gift? Do do you even look in the mirror and understand what an incredible gift you have to be walking on the earth this day, to make the most of the time that you've got, whatever it is? You see, it's just this attitude of elevating life. This is life is important. and and I'm going to elevate and make the most out of my life, and and I'm going to respect other people, and I'm going to value other people. Most of all, for us, for us who follow Christ, it's to be able to look at those other people and understand they represent exceeding value because Jesus Christ died for them. Jesus Christ died not just for the person in the mirror, but he died for the lady at the checkout counter. He died for that mechanic that worked on your car last week. He, he died for, for the person pushing the broom somewhere. These, just they're just as valuable. And, and we need to elevate life. If, if you go to Matthew 5, Jesus takes his commandment and, and he elevates life by talking about what our attitude is in our relationships with other people. He says, you've heard that it was said, the people that lived long ago, they were told, don't commit murder. Anyone who murders will be judged for. it." Here's what I tell you. Do not be angry with your brother. Anyone who is angry with his brother will be judged. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, must stand trial in the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Raka. It means to, to count Worthless elevated life elevated life says wait a minute everybody's valuable these people I meet they're valuable they're valuable in the eyes of God and if they're valuable in the eyes of God they ought to be valuable in my eyes and I should do everything I can to help elevate their life see the difference you see it's not just don't do it's what you do 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 you elevate people in their life Matthew uh, In Matthew 5, Jesus says this is so important that we get this, that that if we don't get this, it interrupts our relationship with God, the first three commandments. He says, suppose you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and make peace with your brother, then come back and offer your gift. See, there's a relationship between those first three commandments and the ones we're talking about now. That if we get those three right and understand our relationship with God, then we got to deal with our relationship with others. And that means elevating those people in respect and valuing, valuing who they are. And, and if we don't do that, then we got to go back to one, two, and three because we don't get it. we got to go back. It gets in the way. For us, it's elevating by respect and it's elevating by valuing life. Now a hard one. You ready for this one? The commandment says do not commit adultery. What we're really talking about is elevating sexual purity. The word adultery there is not just this thing that we try to put it in this nice, simple little box and say, well, it's just all about whether a married person is faithful to their partner or unfaithful to their partner. No, it's bigger than that. When it comes to Scripture, it's bigger than that. It's about taking something our sexuality that God gives that is such a good, great, pure gift and making it impure. That's adultery. That's what it means, to take, to take it and make it impure. And the reality is, God has given us this tremendous gift of our own our own sexuality. The question is, are we keeping it in the place that God wants it, in free living? Or have we become slaves to our culture. See, I think and this is an I think. This is one of those places where we see the influence of culture on our morals and our values as Christ followers more than any other place. I, I give you give give you my witness here. When I first started in ministry some thirty plus years ago, right? I started doing weddings and in and, and doing weddings, I always do premarital preparation for couples. It was very rare that couples came to me and had already been living together. Today, exactly the opposite. It is rare that couples come to me who haven't already cohabitated. How's that happening? Egypt is influencing us. And somehow we convince ourselves that's normal. It's okay. The challenge for us is... God says, wait a minute, you need to keep your sexuality in the pure place. You need to keep your sexuality in the pure place for the sake of that relationship. For the sake of standing up in front of the world and saying, listen, there's a better way to live. God has a better way for us to be. And our relationships will be better when we follow according to God's purposes in our lives. This is serious stuff. If you look at 1 Corinthians 6... Paul says, don't you know that evil people will not receive God's kingdom? Don't be fooled. Those who commit sexual sins will not receive the kingdom. For Paul, this is a kingdom question. This is big time stuff. And so we got to step back and we've got to say, wait a minute. Am I living in the land of Egypt? Or am I living in the right land, in the promised land? Am I living in the land of Egypt where I'm letting culture tell me what's okay and what's not okay? Or or am I letting God convict me? Am I letting God convict me about where I need to be in my life? If you look at, again, Paul, he says, listen, keep far away from sexual sins. All the other sins a person commits are outside his body, but sexual sins are sins against one's own body. Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit's in you. You've received him from God. You do not belong to yourself. Christ has paid the price for you. So use your body in a way that does what? Free living, right? Free living. This is so crucial for us to get. And and I know there's some of you out there that, that you may be in Egypt right now in some of these relationships. And all I can say to you is, listen, you don't have to be a slave to that. Just, just make the decision to get your relationship in right living in a different place. And if you've been in that place, listen, Jesus, it says, came to pay a price for you. What's that all about? Well, he came to pay the price for Egypt, for the slavery to Egypt, for the slavery to sin. He came to pay the price so we can say, hey, listen, I messed up, I'm sorry, and get our lives in an elevated place. I mean, that's the key for us. It's not to be here this morning and pound ourselves with the commandments. It's to be here this morning and understand these commandments invite us to a better way of life, to better relationships. And it's good for us if we just forgive, receive that forgiveness, and move out of Egypt and get to that promised land. 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Some of you used to do those things. But your sins are washed away. You were made holy. You were made right with God. All of that was done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. There's a right way to be. Jesus laid the ground where He made it possible for us to be forgiven for all these things that we get out of God's sequence. And He gives us the way to get right. I just want to encourage you today. Let, let these commandments, you know, Inspire you into that right living of the promised land. And and look at your life and look at this part of your life and and say, wait a minute, I'm just convicted. We need to get our relationship pure again. We just need to get our relationship pure. And and just come to God and say, God, empower us to do it, will you? And get to that promised land. Next one Elevate honesty. Do not steal. Again, it's an elevated saying, listen, don't just take. And, and if you follow through with what this command was about, it's not just about being a taker. It's really about being a contributor. It's about the call in our lives to live a life of absolute honesty and beyond honesty to become that contributor. You look at Paul in 5, it says, Ephesians 4, it says, those who have been stealing must never steal again. There's the honesty part, right? Just be honest. Now look what he does. Instead, they must work. Okay. They must do something useful with their own hands. Then they have something to give to people in need. What's the encouragement? Just be an honest person. Elevate your life to honesty in all situations. And more than that, elevate your life to an honesty that contributes into somebody else. You want to have some great relationships. Be that person that in your relationships, everybody says, oh, wow, they are one of the most honest people I know. That's going to improve your relationships because people will trust you. Say, so Get people to understand, hey, I am not only honest, I am generous. I go beyond honesty. I'm going to live a life that's elevated to generosity. You see, it's the call in our life to go to that promised land again, to get out of that Egypt and get into that promised land that says, hey, Our lives are bigger. Our lives are better. And finally, elevate your words. Last commandment, elevate your words. Don't give false witness uh, against your neighbor. And and it's the same principle of all these that we've talked about so far. It's about elevating your words. And and this one is uh, equally important as all the other ones. And I want to show you Romans 1. And Romans 1 is a collection where Paul is uh, talking to folks, and and he's listing out all these behaviors that people who are in Egypt do, okay? And if you look at the list, it's, it's a pretty good list, right? They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, heavy stuff. Look what comes next. They are, wow, gossips, slanderers. God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. Oh, look at this one for the earlier commandment. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Wow. Big list. Right in the middle of the list is how you use your words. How you use your words. See, do you live in Egypt? Or do you live in the promised land governed by a different standard of living that says, I'm, I'm going to elevate my words. I, I'm going to speak into people's lives in a constructive, uplifting, elevating way. It's that simple. Think what it would mean to your relationships if you would just get this at the core of how you use your words to make sure that you speak truthfully, honestly, and for the betterment of others. Paul says in Ephesians 4, simple truth So, each of you must get rid of your lying. Speak the truth to your neighbor. We're all parts of one body. Scripture says, when you are angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a chance. When we get angry, we, we tend to say things we shouldn't, right? I mean, you've had that happen? No, nobody's had that happen. You get angry and some of those words just slip right out of there and you'd like to just reel those babies back in, but you can't, right? That's Egypt living, Egypt living. And so this commandment is the same thing. It comes to us and says, hey, just examine your relationships and think about the words and elevate your words. When, When you're talking with your spouse, elevate the words. When you're talking to your kids, elevate the words. When you're with your coworkers, elevate the words. Elevate the words. See, for us, each of these commandments comes down to a fundamental principle. By what values, by what morals, by what code do you live your life? Egypt? Promised land. We'll all fall short. We know that. None of us are going to be perfect on all of this. That's why Jesus Christ came. I I just want to implore you today, take serious. Take serious the opportunity that God gives you to elevate your life. And know that Jesus Christ came and He paid that price so that you can be forgiven and you can move out of slavery and you can move into that elevation of what it means to stand out there before the world and have people look at you and say, they live different. live different. Wish it could. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and uh, we ask that we could live different, that we could live the elevated life that you want us to, that we could move out of uh, slavery and we could move into that freedom of the promised land. Father, we look at our relationships and uh, we know that each of these uh, commandments can just and strengthen and enliven those relationships if we just get serious about it for those places we've fallen short thank you thank you for sending jesus christ that we have another chance that we can be totally forgiven we can be totally renewed and we can take that step to get things right so father we come to you this morning and we put this before you trusting that your holy spirit will guide us along the way it's in jesus name we pray Amen.